Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Amazing grace, how sweet. here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. reader and the scripture today comes from the book of Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 20. Feel free to follow along if you'd like in your pew Bible. This is a story of Saul's conversion. 
Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. The word of the Lord.
and living God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, a friend of mine served as the coach of a youth soccer team. She didn't really want to do it, but there was no other coach. Sound familiar? (laughs) And so for her daughter to play, someone was going to have to step up. She had some experience playing uh, herself as a, as a youth and as a, a college uh, student. So she decided this would be something that she could contribute. And she was new to the community, so she felt like this was a way she might be able to develop some new friendships or some deeper relationships. Still, she approached the possibility of coaching with some trepidation because the parents in her new community had a reputation for being exacting and critical. Not this community, of course. So she dove in, organizing the girls and running them through new plays and drills. And the season was going really well, in spite of the fact that the team was used to losing seasons. They were winning the majority of their games. The group of girls from different schools and from different backgrounds began to gel. And then one day, they went to their practice field, and another team was practicing on it. She talked to the other coach, and though he knew the field was not reserved for his team, he said, well, my team needs it. So she decided, okay, well, you know, I can, I can work with this. You know, I'm going to be generous. So she told him her team could do some drills on the side and for the first part of the practice, and then at the halfway mark, they'd, they'd switch, and her, her team would, would get to use the full field. So at the halfway point, when the girls began to take the field, the other team wouldn't stop practicing. So, and sensing a conflict, a few of boys, uh, the boys on the other team responded with some rude comments. My friend moved in quickly to address the situation with the other coach, and with a shrug, he did nothing. And that's when my friend felt a line had been crossed. She'd been generous with the field, and instead of gratitude and mutual cooperation, she and her team were disrespected, and then the the taunting escalated to expletives. So she approached the other coach, and with a raised voice, told him to get his team off the field. Still no action, but more expletive lace taunting from the boys. So finally, my friend yelled at the other coach to get his team off the field and punctuated it with her own expletive. Then she felt terrible. (laughs) She knew she needed to protect her team. She wanted to protect the girls, and, and yet she felt that she too had crossed the line. Anyone relate to this? Ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you, you uh, have crossed a line you, you didn't expect or mean to cross? I think we've all uh, been in those places where, where we're in an argument and, and somehow it happens. So we, we're trying to stay in our, our nonviolent space. This, the whole Lenten season, I've been working with a, a group of, of 12 Epworthians on nonviolent communication. And yet, the reason we need to practice that is because these things happen. And all of a sudden, we've been moved into violent behavior or speech. 
and trying to get something done or in reacting when we should have paused. Most of us know there are places in our lives where we did harm. And sometimes it occurred when we thought we were doing the right thing, or sometimes the situation was just so complicated that the right thing was unclear and we did what was best. And then there are also those times through choices or bad luck when we just haven't been our best selves. It's so easy to get stuck in these places when we think about them and be stuck in regretful thinking. It's so tempting to chastise ourselves or wonder incessantly what we could have done differently. Well, when we think of the story of Paul, whom we encounter in our scripture from Acts today, we see a man who has much to regret. The scripture tells us that Paul was speaking murderous threats against Jesus' disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone along his journey who was a follower of Jesus, they could be taken to prison in Jerusalem. Paul was a well-known and zealous persecutor of Christians. Paul thought he was serving the greater good, rounding up blasphemers who threatened to bring down the wrath of Rome on all of Israel. As the high priest Caiaphas had said in the run-up to Jesus' arrest, better that one man die for the people than a whole nation perish because Rome is provoked to violence. So Paul thought he was doing the right thing. But something happens on the road to Damascus. All of a sudden, a heavenly light flashed around him and he hears a voice, Jesus' voice, who says, Saul, that was Paul's name before his conversion, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul, not sure who is speaking to him, says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus answers, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Jesus goes on to say, now get up. And go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And as the story unfolds, we see that Paul realizes that in his zeal to be faithful, he was in fact doing harm. And not only to the most vulnerable among him, after Jesus' death, the followers of the way uh, of uh, the followers of Jesus were called the followers of the way. Those were the persons who were in grave danger because they were known to have followed Jesus. So Paul is not only doing harm to these most vulnerable among him, but to the sacred among all of us. He turns from his former persecution and becomes a follower of Jesus himself. And of course, we know where his conversion leads him. Paul becomes one of the greatest evangelists of the Christian tradition. His understanding of what it means to be faithful changes from judgment, seeking out Jews who he believes to be unfaithful, to grace-filled, seeking out Gentiles so that they might become faithful. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Paul wasn't an inherently bad man, and his Judaism is not the issue. In fact, Paul always understood himself to be 
a Jew, even as a follower of Jesus. Paul was not converted to a new religion on the road to Damascus. The new religion didn't even exist at that time. Paul was made to understand the deeper meaning of his own faith, which meant he could no longer persecute vulnerable people. But I have to wonder, what made Paul able to accept this transformation, this conversion? The scripture suggests that it's the voice of God in Jesus and that in simply being told to stop persecuting people, Paul does. Could it really be so simple? I have to wonder what Paul did with the regret he must have felt at the harm he had caused to those he now claimed as new siblings in Christ. What about the guilt and shame he was likely carrying? How did he not get stuck in the violence that he himself had done to Christ? Well, back to my friend at the soccer field. She felt so badly after the exchange with the other soccer coach when it had escalated to raised voices and even an expletive on her part. And though she felt it was right to protect her team from taunting and support their need to practice, she thought she might have somehow been able to handle the situation better or differently. So she called the girls and their parents into a circle before the next practice, explained the whole situation and how she was feeling, and some of them really only knew part of the story. And she apologized for getting into a place where she felt like she had lost some control in front of the girls. And then a parent raised her hand. I have a question, the parent said. Oh no, my friend thought. Here comes the judgment, here comes the criticism. And then this parent said, are you human? And this is the question that Jesus asks Paul. Are you human? And this is the question and the reality that Paul experiences. You are human. And when my friend heard the parents ask, are you human? The whole tension of the group released. My friend laughed. And then the team relaxed. And instead of blame and judgment, she received grace. And actually the team strengthened. This is also what I believe allows Paul to turn from persecution in that moment when he hears the voice of Jesus, a human voice, who says, why are you, why are you hurting me? In other words, I am human, just like you. I have needs, I have feelings, I suffer. It's like Jesus says to Paul, you call me Lord, but I am human, just like you. And if I am human, then it is okay for you to be human, too. Paul's conversion to Christianity, an encounter with the risen humanity of Christ, both transforms and redeems him through acceptance, forgiveness, and mercy. Simple and not so simple. This is the good news for us, friends, in a life 
where we can be held back by chains of regret and shame and guilt. But let's not forget that there are two parts of this story. Jesus asks in his humanness for Paul to stop persecuting him and other Christians. And Paul must respond to what Jesus is asking him to do. Even if transformation presents itself, it takes our yes for full transformation to take place. May the God who comes to us as a real human, imperfect, regretful, suffering, and who rises above in full divinity, give each of us the strength to accept the transformation that is being offered to us and to be born anew with Paul. In Jesus, there is new life. If Paul was accepted into the community of Christians receiving God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy, why not you? May each of us hear the voice of God in its full humanity and full divinity and not shrink from this call to heal and to love ourselves and others. May we do what we are asked to do. And when we've been there ten thousand
been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Oh!